0: Oh, I love that music. Hello again, everyone. This is John Martinoni, President of the Bible Christian Society and Queen of Heaven Catholic Radio, and also the Director of the Office of the New Evangelization and Stewardship for the Diocese of Birmingham. Welcome to the... Balaam's Ride program here on Queen of Heaven Radio. It's a local program offered on 1480 AM here in Irondale and Birmingham, but also worldwide via the web. You can, uh, if you are hearing my voice, you're either listening on 1480 AM or queenofheavenradio.com. Queenofheavenradio.com. And uh, Balaam's Ride, uh, once again, got another email. This one is from, uh, where did that go? Here it is, right here. Hi, John, why have you named the program Balaam's Ride? Thank you, Diana. Well, I am not going to give anyone a direct answer on that. You have to go to, uh, I believe it's Numbers chapter 22, Around verse 21 to 30, somewhere in there, and read about Balaam and figure it out for yourself. Balaam's ride. All right, uh, last time we were talking about, well, uh, we had the bishop on a couple weeks ago, Bishop Baker, here from the diocese. Last week, uh, I was out of town doing a... a. Um, Catholic on-air pledge drive, or or radiothon for a Catholic radio station, or Catholic radio stations down in New Orleans and Baton Rouge Catholic Community Radio. Had a a good time doing that. Met a lot of wonderful people. They got a lot of good things going on down there. And uh, so this week I want to pick up where I left off a few weeks ago, uh, talking about questions Protestants can't answer. (laughs) Now, you think, oh, John, you know, that's kind of uh, uncharitable questions Protestants can't answer. Well, no, it's actually not, because the whole thing is about stimulating debate. That's one of the things I tell people we don't have enough of. We don't have enough debate. Not arguing, yelling, calling names, but clear, concise, mature Christian debate. Folks, as a Catholic, and most of you as Catholics, we have disagreements, differences, with our Protestant brothers and sisters, whether they call themselves Baptist, Evangelical, Church of Christ, Church of God, um, Fundamentalist, Non-Denominational, Methodist, Episcopal, whatever. We have differences. Well, in an effort to strive for truth, we need to talk about those differences. Yes, we, we build on our commonalities, such as a belief in the Trinitarian God and and the... the um, incarnation of Jesus Christ, to true God and true man, his death on the cross, his birth of a virgin, his resurrection, and, and all of these. But there are lots of differences. Some of the differences are, are minor. Some of the differences are very, very important. For example, the Eucharist, purgatory, salvation. Is it by faith alone, a one-time event that occurs in a person's life, Or is it a process, as Catholics believe, a process that begins with baptism and goes throughout one's life, a process of faith and works all by the grace of God? These are very important differences. So we need to ask questions of each other. You know, Catholics, we get asked questions all the time. We need to start asking questions of the Protestants to say, hey, you know, you're asking me about Mary. I'm going to ask you about something. And so that's why I've come up with a number of questions that I say questions Protestants can't answer. And the way I and what I mean by that is they generally cannot answer these questions in a consistent biblically based manner. And you know they they go by the Bible alone. The Bible is their many times their soul but definitely their ultimate source of authority. <clears throat> So I ask questions based on the Bible, and they can't give me consistent answers. And the last time, the last, one of the last questions we talked about uh, a few weeks ago was, you know, if someone goes by the Bible alone, they believe all those books. And for a Protestant, they believe 66 books of the Bible, uh, 27 in the New Testament and 39 in the Old Testament, are all inspired by God. Well, the question I asked, at the the last question I asked was, Do you believe the writer of the Gospel of Mark was inspired by the Holy Spirit? Yes or no? And who was the writer of the Gospel of Mark? How do you know this? Well, they don't know from the Bible. Well, they're always slamming Catholics about, you know, you Catholics believe in all this extra-biblical tradition. You need to go by the Bible alone. Yet, when you ask them about how do you know who wrote the Gospel of Mark and how do you know they were inspired— Nowhere does the Bible say that Mark, someone named Mark, wrote the Gospel of Mark. Nowhere does the Bible say that this Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that he was infallible in writing what he wrote. And inerrant in writing what he wrote. Nowhere does the Bible say that. Give me book, chapter, and verse that tells me Mark wrote Mark and he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not there. In other words, that's a tradition, an extra-biblical tradition that all people who believe in the gospel of Mark as inspired scripture believe in. So there are traditions, extra-biblical traditions, that Protestants believe in, and that's the whole point. They don't go by the Bible alone. You can't go by the Bible alone to, to have a Bible. I mean, you wouldn't have a Bible if you went by the Bible alone because the bible doesn't tell you who wrote these books that they were indeed inspired and well it does a few of them but in the you know uh, there are several books that, like hebrews hebrews is another one we don't know who wrote hebrews for a long time it was thought paul did recent scholarship has said well no it's not really paul and actually ancient ancient writers some disputed the authorship of hebrews so why is it in the bible How do you know the person writing it was inspired by the Holy Spirit? Well, you don't if you go by the Bible alone. But you do if you go by the Bible, sacred scripture, and sacred tradition. So, that's the whole purpose of asking these questions, is to figure out or or to make it clear to others that, hey, you know, yes, Catholics believe in sacred scripture and sacred tradition, We do not go by the Bible alone. We go by the Word of God alone, but not the written Word of God alone. Yet Protestants do the same. And that's the purpose of asking these questions, is to help them realize that they do the same thing we do. They just have a different set of traditions than we have. Yes, some of them are the same, but some of them are not. Another question I ask people, Protestants, And this is one that you can ask, too. And I always tell Catholics, you know, for every question you answer, you ought to be asking a question or maybe two. And do not move on. Do not answer any more questions until you get answers to your questions. It's only fair. Something you can ask anyone and everyone who starts talking to you about, you know, you Catholics worship Mary. You don't go by the Bible. You believe in all these traditions that aren't in the Bible or that contradict the Bible, which... We don't, not when the Bible is properly understood in context and and Catholic teaching is properly understood in context. But a question you can ask anyone and everyone is, do you interpret the Bible? Well, the answer is yes. Every time you read anything, you're interpreting what it says, You're interpreting the words on the page. These words are symbols for, for meanings, ideas, and so forth and so on. So yes, everybody who reads the Bible interprets the Bible. So you have to, you have to answer yes, if you are being intellectually honest to the question, yes, I interpret the Bible. So you ask them, okay, you interpret the Bible, well... Are you infallible in your interpretation of the Bible? Because most Protestants believe that there's no such thing as an infallible human being. That's, they're always saying, Catholics, you know, you believe in the Pope being infallible and so forth and so on. Well, nobody's infallible. No man is infallible. And a lot of times they misunderstand fallible, infallibility, but they, um, uh, you know, nevertheless – they slam us on it. So you ask them, do you interpret? If they say yes, if they're being honest, then you can say, are you infallible in your interpretation? And if they're being intellectually honest, they'll say no, because they don't believe any, any man is, is, is infallible. So now you've got them. Okay, you interpret the Bible. Your interpretation is fallible by your own admission. So how do you know you, what you're interpreting? How do you know you're correct? By whose authority do you pronounce that you are right and Catholics are wrong? Whose authority? So, um, just got to ask that question. Got to ask those questions. All right, we've got uh, a caller in, uh, calling from Virginia. We've got Tim with a question. Tim, welcome to Balaam's Ride. How are you doing today?
1: I'm well, John. How are, how are you?
0: I'm doing okay, thank you. What can we do for you?
1: Well, uh, John, I just, I've heard you say in the past that one of the questions that, uh, that Protestants might have trouble answering is, um, how do we know that Mark is the author of the Book of Mark? And I just wanted you, if you could uh, explain that and, and, the, and the answer to that question and how we can talk to Protestants about
0: that. Okay, well, very good. Well, the answer is, we know from the tradition passed down in the Church— from the very early beginnings, we have uh, uh, traditions within the church passed on by the bishops, the deposit of faith. That Mark, who was the uh, friend of both Peter and Paul, if you read about it in, in Acts of the Apostles, he was uh, a traveling companion of Paul for a while, and then he was basically Peter's secretary. And we have uh, early church fathers who have we have the their writings let's say mark was peter's secretary and basically that mark wrote down at the request of uh the christians in rome wrote down peter's teachings about jesus <clears throat> excuse me in other words uh, and this is why a lot of scholars call mark's gospel actually that it's peter's gospel because it's what mark got from peter so the only way we know that mark wrote the gospel of mark And that he was indeed inspired by the Holy Spirit is not because Scripture tells us, but it's because the church tells us through sacred tradition. Tradition that was handed on by word of mouth. And then it was written down, you know, by here or there, by uh, some of the early church fathers, but basically passed on by word of mouth within the church, within the, the bishops, from one bishop to another that uh this gospel was written by Mark and that he was indeed inspired by the holy spirit so it's the church that decides such a thing not that the bible tells us or not that any individual tells us i i've had people tell us tell me well we know it's inspired because it's consistent with the rest of the bible really well how do you know the rest of the bible's inspired well we know that because it's consistent with what mark wrote oh really Uh, You ever heard of circular reasoning? You can't do that. You have to have a witness, an authority, give testimony about the authenticity, about the inerrancy, about the inspired nature of Scripture. And who is that witness? Well, that witness is the church. And which church was it that was around in the first, second, third, fourth centuries? All due respect, it wasn't the Baptist church, wasn't the evangelical churches, wasn't the Lutheran church, the Anglican church, the Methodist church, uh, it wasn't any non-denominational churches, the church of God, it was the Catholic church. So we rely upon the sacred tradition that is passed down through the Catholic church to know that Mark wrote Mark. Appreciate that call, Tim, and if you want to be a part of the program, you can join us, uh, either by phone or by email. If you want to call in, the number to call is two zero five seven one four seven zero one four. That's two zero five seven one four seven zero one four. Or you can email me with a question at john at Society dot com. John J O H N at Society dot com and Put in the subject line question for radio program or Balaam's Ride or something like that so I can separate it out from my other emails. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have more questions that Protestants can't answer.
2: Support for programming on Queen of Heaven Catholic Radio comes in part from Paul Bruno and Kahaba Custom Cars, specializing in classic car restorations, paint and body work, classic car rentals for weddings. They're located one block from the summit in Cahaba Heights. Their phone number is 205-936-4966. That number again, 205-936-4966.
3: This is Father Michael Deering, spiritual director to Queen of Heaven Catholic Radio. Let's take a moment to pray for those who may be questioning their faith. Let's say a prayer to the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
1: Hi, folks. Patrick Crabtree here with Crabtree Computer Services in Vestavia. By now you know that we at Crabtree can handle any of your computer and technology needs for a low cost with fast and friendly service. But instead of listening to me, why don't you hear it from our customers? This is Dr. Peter Van Hoy. I'm a plastic surgeon at Premier Plastic Surgery in Birmingham. We've been using Crabtree Computer Services for over eight years for all of our technology needs. They service our PCs, our servers, and our backups. They also manage our website for Google Marketing. Patrick and his staff are knowledgeable, courteous, and fast. I highly recommend Crabtree Computer Services. They've done a terrific job for us. So give Crabtree Computer Services a call for your next computer or technology need at 205 205-824-7722. That's 205-824-7722 or come see us on Highway 31 in Vestavia just across from Marks Outdoor Sports. We guarantee our work and we guarantee your satisfaction.
2: prays four rosaries and the Divine Mercy Chaplet every hour. When he goes to daily mass, he arrives before the priest. The saints have a statue of him. He's the most holy man
0: on the planet.
2: I don't normally listen to radio, but when I do, I listen to Balaam's Ride on WQOH 1480 AM. Stay holy, my friend.
0: There you have it, the holiest man on on the planet listens to Balaam's ride on Queen of Heaven fourteen eighty am Shouldn't you be listening to? Well, obviously you are. okay, continuing questions process well before I do, let me uh, uh give out the phone number again. It's two zero five seven one four seven zero one four to call in with a question or comment two zero five seven one four. Seven zero one four, or send an email john at bible christian society dot com john at bible christian society dot com continuing with the um uh, theme of questions Protestants can't answer, I want you to understand uh, if you're a Catholic and you're getting questioned all the time, maybe uh a Baptist brother-in-law, a fundamentalist neighbor or or co-worker or something, question all the time about your Catholic faith, and you always wonder, how do I I get out of this jam? How do I answer back? This is a very easy thing to do that will stop someone in their tracks and make them really think about what it is they're saying and, and about the argument that Catholics are automatically wrong. Again, you ask them, if when they read the Bible, if their interpretations of the Bible are infallible. No, they're error-free. They can't make a mistake when they interpret the Bible. They know absolutely everything there is to know about the Bible. Well, again, if they're intellectually honest, they have to say no. And when they say no, then you can just say, okay, well, you know, since your interpretation is not infallible, That means it is fallible. So will you admit that your interpretation of Scripture, at least some of the time, could be wrong? Now, you're going to have a lot of folks who are going to hem and haw, and they are not going to directly answer this question. But you have to keep bringing them back to the question. When I ask that question to people, they say, well, I'm guided by the Holy Spirit. Well, I tell them, I say, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't make mistakes. So if you're guided by the Holy Spirit, then you must be infallible. Well, um, you know, but they won't admit they're infallible because they don't believe anybody's infallible. And they've probably already said, you know, why do you believe the Pope can't make a mistake? Or why do you believe he's infallible? Where is that in the Bible? So you've kind of backed them into a corner and you need to just keep them there until they answer. Because if they answer, no, they're not infallible, then they are infallible intrinsically admitting that they could be wrong when they talk to you about Mary, when they talk to you about confession, when they talk to you about purgatory, about, you know, Catholics believing in a work salvation, or how they interpret this passage of scripture, or when they go to John six and it says over and over again, You must eat my flesh and drink my blood to have life within you. My flesh is real food, my blood is real drink, and they interpret that as being symbolic they have to admit that their interpretation could be wrong because they are not infallible so and and if they say yes they are infallible then you've got them because again then you say well if you could be infallible why can't the pope be infallible although i've only once in my life had someone i had some guys from uh, northeast alabama come down two of them were former catholics and came down, wanted to talk to me and my, my pastor at that time because they had come across my website. And he started asking me all these questions. And he told me, he said, you know, started off after we got through the Inquisition and uh, and all the garbage that he had been fed about that. He started to ask about the Pope and the infallibility. No man's infallible. The Pope can't be infallible. Why do you think that? Where's that in the Bible? And I just looked at him and, and he started quoting some quotes from scripture. I looked at him, I said, is your interpretation of that scripture verse infallible? Well, he just kind of stared at me. You know, he just looked at me for like one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight seconds. He's just staring at me and I could see his brain working. And he's thinking, well, I can't say that it's fallible because then I'm admitting I could be wrong. But uh, uh, I, can't, I can't say it's infallible because I just said no man is infallible. So he's in a bit of a quandary. So he finally said, Well, yes, I'm infallible in interpreting that particular verse. <laughs> I was like, I turned to Father. I said, Father, we should be very honored we have the Pope here with us today. So, this is a very important question that you need to ask people. Okay, um, we've got a uh, question online, and this is from our friend in India, I believe. This is from Jason in India. Hi, John, can you explain to me how we can offer our suffering to God and make it redemptive Am not able to comprehend it? And again, Jason from India. All right, Jason. And this is something that a lot of uh, Protestants as well don't understand. If you grew up in a Catholic household, it kind of comes naturally. But if you stop and think about it, you might say you might be just like Jason. Well, what does it mean to offer it up? How can we offer our suffering to God and make it redemptive? Well, the thing you can do, if you go to Colossians 1, verse 24, Paul's talking about his suffering for the Colossians. He said, I, I suffer in my flesh, you know, for you. I make up in my flesh uh, what is lacking in Christ's sufferings. Well, what is lacking in Christ's sufferings? Nothing except our participation in them. So what Paul is saying here and, and what it means to offer up our suffering, basically it's the prayer of the body. You know, we have mental prayer that we say if you're driving in your car and you're saying a rosary to yourself or, or kneeling by your bedside at night or in the morning. You have mental prayer. You have vocal prayers uh, that you pray when generally when you're in groups of people or at church. Vocal prayer. Prayer with of offering offering our sufferings that's prayer with your body your flesh you are offering all that you are going through you know maybe you're you're suffering from an illness uh, it could be a simple virus a uh, cold or it could be uh, cancer or uh, ALS or some other very debilitating and, and maybe even fatal disease you offer up all of that in union with Christ's suffering on the cross. Christ paid for our sins, says He we were healed by His stripes, by, by you know the, the blows to His body, by the nails being driven through His cross, by His blood. We were healed by His physical suffering. And so when we suffer physically, we offer that up in union with Him, in union with His sufferings. And that's why we can say we're, we're, that it has a redemptive nature because we're offering it up for our own salvation and for the salvation of others. Now, it's not anything above and beyond what Jesus did, but it is united with what Jesus did. It's not like we're adding to what he did. We are just participating in what he did through our suffering. Hope that helps you. We've got another caller. This is Olaf from Ramsey, Minnesota. Olaf, welcome to Balaam's Ride.
2: Yeah, hi, John. Uh, Listen, I have a question about the... uh, You're talking about the uh, uh, infallibility issue? Yes. Now, my uh, my, uh, uh, daughter and son-in-law, I I brought that up to them, and what they tell me is that when they read the Bible, they are uh, uh, inspired... ...by the Holy Spirit. So therefore, they are infallible, period. I mean, how do you go get around that?
0: Well, you can tell them, say, well, uh, when I pray, if when I read the Bible, you, Olaf, when you read the Bible, you can tell them that you pray to the Holy Spirit to guide you too. So does that make you infallible? And you can ask them, say, what about all these pastors and all these different denominations who all claim... To be guided by the Holy Spirit when they read the Bible and in their interpretation of Scripture and in their preaching and teaching to their congregations. I mean, almost it's there are very few. I think the Church of Christ doesn't claim this type of thing. But most Protestant denominations, the pastors within those denominations, claim to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yet these denominations teach things that are different. And sometimes the differences are small, but sometimes the differences are very large and they are directly, their teachings are directly contradictory. It's not like, oh, that's that's just a different, um, you know, a slightly different form of the same teaching. No, this teaching is directly contradictory to that teaching. For example... Some Protestant denominations teach, uh, once saved, always saved. Once I've accepted Jesus into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior, that's it, I'm saved forever, boom. Nothing can, can get me unsaved, no matter what I do, no matter what I say. Other Protestant denominations absolutely reject that. A lot of Protestant denominations believe in this rapture, that there's going to be a rapture before the Great Tribulation, and all Christians are going to just disappear from the face of the earth. Other Protestant denominations reject that. Some, a lot of Protestant denominations believe in salvation by faith alone. Other Protestant denominations don't. They believe works have a role in our salvation, just as the Catholics believe that. So ask them, say, if all these different pastors and all these different denominations and all the people within those denominations all claim to be guided by the Holy Spirit when they're reading and interpreting Scripture— how is it that we have tens of thousands of different denominations, each with its own set of differing beliefs? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it does. It does, John. Listen, I enjoy your po- uh, your uh, program very much, also your letters, and I just wanted to say hopefully the podcast of this will be up soon.
0: Well, that's uh, I'm working on a page for that, and uh, hopefully uh, the guy that I get to do my... My web work for me will have it done maybe within a week or so, and I'll, I'll be letting everybody know. Okay?
2: Okay. Thank you very much, John. All right.
0: Appreciate the call, Olaf. That's Olaf from Ramsey, Minnesota. Folks, this is a not just nationwide program, but worldwide. Minnesota, last week or a couple weeks ago, we had Phoenix call in or email in. Uh, India. So hopefully you'll tell your friends about it and get them listening and and maybe put it on Twitter, on Facebook, every Wednesday morning, 11 o'clock a.m. Central Time, or 1600 Greenwich Mean Time, for those of you uh, living uh, in various parts of this fine little planet we call Earth. All right. So if you want to be a part of the program, again, the phone number is 205 714 Seven zero one four two zero five seven one four seven zero one four, or you can email me with a question or comment john at bible christian society dot com john at bible christian society dot com we're going to take another break now when we come back more of Balaam's Ride this is John Martinoni and you're listening to WQOH AM 1480 in Irondale, Birmingham we'll be back
1: Hi folks, Patrick Crabtree here with Crabtree Computer Services in Vestavia. By now you know that we at Crabtree can handle any of your computer and technology needs for a low cost with fast and friendly service. But instead of listening to me, why don't you hear it from our customers?
3: My name's John Herod and I've been a very satisfied customer with Crabtree for the past three years. I have their forget about it plan for my home PC where for one low monthly fee, Crabtree monitors my PC from remote and keeps it updated and running really fast. And whenever I have any problem at all and I've had my share, I call them and they come in from remote and fix it right then and there. If they can't fix it from remote, they come on site and fix it for free. Crabtree does a great
0: job.
1: So give Crabtree Computer Services a call for your next computer or technology need at 205-824-7722. That's 205-824-7722. Or come see us on Highway 31 in Vestavia just across from Mark's Outdoor Sports. We guarantee our work and we guarantee your satisfaction.
3: This is Father Michael Deering, spiritual director to Queen of Heaven Catholic Radio. Let's take a moment to pray for those who may be battling an addiction. Let's pray the Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen.
2: Join us for Food, Fun, and Fellowship Sunday, October 13th from noon to 4 at the annual St. Aloysius Catholic Church and School Fall Festival. Inflatables, wristband games, arts and crafts, and don't forget the food, Italian sausage, hot dogs, hamburgers, fries, popcorn, and lemonade. St. Aloysius is located at 751 Academy Drive, Bessemer, Alabama, the annual Fall Festival Sunday, October 13th from noon to 4. St. Aloysius Church and School. Fall is in the air, and that can only mean one thing. Oktoberfest is coming to Alabama. Oktoberfest Trustville, Saturday, October 12, 2013, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., Holy Infant of Prague Catholic Church, 8090 Gadsden Highway, Trustville, Alabama. Prizes, fun events, and games for children of all ages. Hay rides to the pumpkin patch, and this year, a team food drive anyone bringing a bag of food to donate will receive a father bill buck redeemable for any beverage at the festival and don't forget the legendary food at Oktoberfest trustville once again fun for the entire family at Oktoberfest trustville saturday october 12 2013 from 9 a.m to 3 p.m holy infant of prague catholic church for more details call 205-655-2541
0: Okay, you are listening to Balaam's Ride, the Edge of Catholic Radio. This is John Martinoni, your host, and I am here every, or almost every, Wednesday morning, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Central Time, here in the good old U.S. of A., or if you're listening uh, somewhere around this uh, little planet of ours, it's 1600 to 1700 Greenwich Mean Time. So uh, hopefully you'll tell folks about it, tell them when to tune in to the uh, uh, podcast eventually, but right now to the website, queenofheavenradio.com. Or if you're local here in the Birmingham area, to 1480 AM. And hopefully you'll be listening to 1480 AM, not just Wednesday morning at 11, but uh, throughout the day whenever you're in your car traveling to and fro work or picking up the kids from school, dropping them off, running your errands, 1480 AM. And we could always use your support to bring you more local programming, and to bring you the the national programming that we receive from EWTN Radio. And you can always support us by going online, queenofheavenradio.com, and clicking on the Donate Now button. Is it Donate or Donate Now? Donate button. Not Donate Now, but when you get there, Donate Now. Okay, Uh, we've got uh, uh, an email question. and If you want to be on the air via email, you can send me one at john at Bible christian com. John at biblechhristsociety.com. I've got Carl, has emailed in from Villa Ridge, Missouri. John, dear John, I've been in and out of the Catholic Church. I have a problem with the Eucharist being the body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. As much as I want to believe this, it is hard for me. John, would you help me understand? Also, praying to Mary is hard for me to understand. Where do we find this in Scripture? Well, Carl, first thing is, we don't find everything directly that Christians believe in Scripture. Uh, Some people will tell you, yes, they do, but they actually don't. For example, the Trinity. Where do you find in Scripture that the Trinity is three persons, one God, yet each person is... Con, is is um, completely God. Is that the word I'm looking Consubstantially God. Completely, fully God. It's not the Father's one-third God, the Son is one-third God, the Holy Spirit. Each one is 100% God. Where do you find that in Scripture? Yes, you have Jesus referred to as, as uh, uh, my Lord and my God, and you have the Holy Spirit referred to in such ways that you could think, well, he's referred to as God. But we have the mention of the Spirit in the Old Testament as well. We don't have mention of the Son, but we do have mention of the Spirit, the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. Yet they didn't take it as this was a second person, uh, you know, that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. They just believed in the one God, the one person in the one God. Yet we Christians believe in three persons in God. Where do we find that? Nowhere. Where do we find in the Bible the books that are supposed to be in the Bible. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us what the Bible should be. Somebody outside of the Bible, some authority outside of the Bible, had to tell us what our Bible is in the first place. How do we know that the, um, uh, the, the Scripture is, is finished, that we can't add any more Scripture, that no new inspired books will be written? Well, we know that not because of the Bible, but because of tradition, because of the authority of the church. So understanding that, then we turn to praying to Mary is hard for me to understand. Where do we find this in Scripture? Well, we actually find it in one of Paul's letters. I can't think of it right now, uh, book, chapter, and verse, but basically it says Paul orders us to pray for one another. He, He orders us to pray for our leaders, to pray for one another. So I would think And Carl, you probably accept the fact that, yes, Christians should pray for one another. Well, basically that is, that the principle there is, one member of the body of Christ can pray for another member of the body of Christ. Right? I hope you're nodding your head. If I asked you to pray for me... Hopefully you would pray for me for whatever, for, for me to get the job I wanted to get or, or get into the school I wanted to get into or, or to recover from the illness I was suffering from or such thing. And, and if you asked me to pray for you, I would do so. Well, that's exactly what's going on when we, quote unquote, pray to Mary. The word prayer here is, is just it's basically it's about a conversation. You know, we ask Mary to intercede for us, to pray for us, just like I would ask you, Carl, to pray for me. Mary is not the one who, in and of herself, grants our wishes, just all of her own power. She says, oh, you know, yeah, I don't need to take this one to my son. I'll, I'll grant John's prayer just all by myself. No, Mary is a member of the body of Christ, as are the other saints. And so we are asking her to go before the throne of our Lord— And add her prayers to ours. So when we ask Mary for something, we're actually asking her to petition the Lord on our behalf. To pray for us. Just as it's okay for a member of the body of Christ on earth to pray for us, we as Catholics believe it's okay for a member of the body of Christ in heaven to pray for us. Okay? So that's... um, the issue with mary it's, it's the same principle as you praying for me mary praying for me or uh, saint francis or saint ignatius or whoever we're asking them to pray for us we're not asking them we're not saying we're going to them instead of jesus we're going to them through jesus because they are members of the body of christ jesus is the head they are the body now regarding the eucharist Uh, have a problem with the Eucharist being the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Now, if you want me to explain it completely and thoroughly so that you can understand it without any hesitation or misunderstanding whatsoever, not going to happen because no one, it's what we call a mystery. No one in this lifetime will fully understand the mystery of the Eucharist. But what we have to do is is the same church that gave us the scriptures, that we believe are the inspired, inerrant word of God, that same church teaches us that the Eucharist, once consecrated, is indeed the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Now, it still looks like a wafer of bread, and it still looks like a cup of wine, but the substance has changed. Um <clears throat> So, you know, when Jesus did the miracle of uh, turning the water into wine, the accidents, the physical properties, in other words, of the water changed to wine. When he did the miracle of the, the multiplication of the loaves and, and fish, the loaves and fish, their property didn't change in terms of what they look like, but the volume did. I mean, he didn't create new fish. He just multiplied The fish that were there he didn't create new bread he multiplied the bread that was there so god can do all of these things so can god make something look like something other than it is for example can he make the body blood soul and divinity of jesus christ look like something that is just everyday items that are everyday items to people bread and wine well yes he can And Scripture tells us, and the church tells us, that he did. When Jesus was at the Last Supper, which the accounts we read in in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he didn't say this is symbolic of my body. He didn't say this is uh, something like or similar to or a metaphor for my body. He said this is my body. When he took the cup, he said this is my blood, the cup of my blood. So, going from that, we have to take Jesus at his word. And then John, which was written after the other Gospels, knowing that the three accounts of the Last Supper already existed where Jesus instituted the Eucharist, he put it in even stronger terms in John 6 where he said, Jesus says uh, this, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. My flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. And there's a very key verse in John 6... John 6, verse 51. Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Okay, so the bread Jesus is talking about, giving for the life of the world, the bread that he's talking about eating, is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. So when Jesus was on the cross and he gave his flesh for the life of the world, the flesh that he wants all of us to eat, and if we eat it, we will live forever, was that flesh symbolic or was it real? Was that flesh merely a metaphor or was it really his flesh? That's what we have to take into account. That's what we have to think about. If it was his real flesh on the cross, then it's his real flesh that he's telling us he wants us to eat. And it's his real blood that he's telling us he wants us to drink. And he goes on to say, my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink in John 6, verses 53 through 58. So you can't understand it. So I can understand why you have a problem. I have a problem with it in terms of understanding it. I can't. But it's not unreasonable. It's just beyond our ability to reason can god do that if he wants to i hope, hopefully you say yes did he do that all the evidence we have 2000 years old 2000 year old tradition the teachings of the church the evidence from scripture and in scripture you also go to corinthians chapter 10 where paul is talking about how the the sacrifices of the the old law and the old law being an example of what's to come a shadow of what's to come in the new law they ate the sacrifices. When that sacrifice was made, the people ate the sacrifice of the altar. Well, what was the sacrifice of the New Testament? The body and blood of Christ. So we eat that. We eat the substance of that under the appearance of bread and wine. If you want more on, on that, um, go to my website. It's BibleChristianSociety.com, Bible christiansociety.com and get a free CD I have there or a free MP3 download called The Sacraments in the Bible. The whole second half is on just the Bible and the Eucharist. Hopefully that helped, Carl, and uh, appreciate your email and you listening. And folks, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to have the final segment of today's program here on Balaam's Ride. This is John Martinoni, and you're listening to 1480 AM Queen of Heaven Radio in Irondale and Birmingham. And we'll be right back.
3: This is Father Michael Deering, Spiritual Director to Queen of Heaven Catholic Radio. Let's take a moment to pray for those who may be suffering hardship in the current economy. Let's pray the Our Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation
1: Did you know that the license tag on your car could save a life? Purchase a Choose Life tag for your car and help a local crisis pregnancy center in your county. By purchasing a Choose Life tag, you not only will have a rolling billboard on your car that promotes life, but 100% of the funds help your local pregnancy center provide free services to those women facing a crisis pregnancy. So get your Choose Life license tag and join thousands of others who are promoting life in our state. For more information, go to ChooseLifeAlabama.org. And thank you for choosing life.
0: Hey, folks, you're looking for some help with a home improvement project, a fixer upper, maybe building a deck or some plumbing or electrical work. Or are you looking at buying a new house and you need someone that you can depend upon to come in and inspect that house for you? Well, I've got just the person for you. Jamie Cather was once named Carpenter of the Year in Dallas, Texas. He's also licensed by the state of Alabama as a home inspector. I've used him personally at our house for small to mid-sized projects, and Queen of Heaven Radio, he's used him for several projects, none of which he has charged us for. So, if you want quality work for a very affordable price, for a home improvement project, a fixer-upper project, or for a home inspection, Jamie Cather is the man to call. You can reach him at 296-2490. That number again, two nine six two four nine zero. Tell him you heard about him on Queen of Heaven Radio, and he'll give you a discount to his already discounted quotes. Funding
2: for Queen of Heaven Radio is brought to you in part by our loyal listeners and by Oxmoor Valley Orthodontics. Located at 415 West Oxmoor Road, their phone number is 942-2270 oxmoor valley orthodontics are committed to providing high quality orthodontic care in a unique setting that is fun warm and comfortable oxmoor valley orthodontics 415 west oxmoor road 942-2270
3: this is father michael deering spiritual director to queen of heaven catholic radio Let's take a moment to pray for those who may be mourning the loss of a loved one. Let's pray the Memorare. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most compassionate Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy clemency hear and answer them. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: we pause for the Orson Welles War of the Worlds news
3: bulletin.
0: At a White House press conference yesterday, spokesman Jay Carney was asked why the administration is threatening to arrest 80-year-old-plus World War II veterans who ignore the barricades set up by the administration at the World War II memorial in Washington, D.C. Carney responded, Look. Just because these guys serve their country and put their lives on the line to fight fascism and tyranny, doesn't mean they can visit a public memorial put up in their honor whenever they feel like it. Who do they think they are? Okay, back to your questions. We've got uh, we're going to try to get in a couple here before we get out of the program today. This is uh, we've got about seven minutes. This is from Enrico in Tujunga. I think I pronounced that right, California. Good morning, John. When is the Pope's teaching infallible? All right, Enrico, it is infallible when three conditions are met. When the Pope is speaking as the Pope, in other words, as the head of the church, he's not uh, talking to, say, a a fifth-grade you know, CCD class or a religious ed class or something in Rome somewhere. He's speaking from the chair of Peter as the Pope, Um, And he is speaking to the entire church, and he is speaking on a matter of faith and morals. Not biology, not uh, mathematics, not astronomy, anything like that. So he's teaching as head of the church to the entire church on a matter of faith and morals. And you'll know because the language he uses, you'll know he's speaking infallibly. The language he uses is something like, this must be believed. This is uh, for the belief of Catholics, uh, something along those lines. It's very definitive language. It doesn't leave much doubt, although some people will still doubt. So that's when the Pope's teaching is infallible, when those three conditions are met. And he goes on to say, just to add on sacred tradition, John in his gospel mentioned that many teachings of Jesus are not recorded in This book in in the the Gospels. Well, absolutely right. So a lot of things Jesus did and taught that are not recorded in written scripture. But, uh, you know, we can say that could be part of tradition. And it could very well be. All right. Thank you for your uh, um, email, Enrico. Now, this is from Jim in Charlotte, North Carolina. My sister, Willow, who goes to Willow Creek Community Church, asked me, how do I know that the saint that I'm praying to is indeed in heaven? Do I know? And then he's got another question here, but we'll get to that one. this one first. Uh, let me answer this. How do I know that the saint that I'm praying to is indeed in heaven? Well, Jim, you ask her first. She says, hey, I'll answer your question, but I've got a question to ask you first, if you would, to, to help me uh, on this. Um, How do you know that the gospel of Mark is inspired in errant scripture? And see what she says. If she says, well, because the Bible tells me, you say, no, well, give me book, chapter, and verse that says uh, the gospel of Mark is inspired in errant scripture and that the writer of the gospel of Mark was inspired by the Holy Spirit. There is no such verse. So how do you know, sister, that um, the gospel of Mark... Is inspired scripture. How do you know the book. The letter of Hebrews. Is inspired scripture. Direct her to the fact. That there is some authority. Outside of scripture. Telling her. Witnessing to her. That these books. Are indeed inspired. By the Holy Spirit. And they are the inerrant. Teaching of God. So it's an authority. Outside of scripture. Well that authority is the church. And you can say. And if she doesn't answer, you can tell her, well, the same authority that you believe for for knowing that the Bible is indeed the inspired word of God, that Mark is inspired by the word of God, that Hebrews inspired by the word of God, James, uh, Matthew, John. That's the same authority that teaches me that the saint I am praying to is indeed in heaven. Okay, so it's the same authority. It's the church, the authority of the church. We know the saint is in heaven because the church has told us so. Then uh, he goes on to say, she asked as a rebuttal to my saying that we can only hope that when we have died that we will be in purgatory. Oh, of course, she laughed at purgatory or in heaven. Well, I don't have time today to get into purgatory but maybe i will next week but you can go if you want to give her some scriptural a scriptural case a very good solid scriptural case for purgatory go to my website biblechristiansociety.com biblechristiansociety.com and get the talk on mary and the bible the last uh, what seven eight minutes of it or so is on purgatory in the Bible, and it's just from Scripture. And it builds a case that she will have a difficult time rebutting from Scripture. So, uh, again, that's Jim in Charlotte, North Carolina. Jim, appreciate your email. Uh, we're we're going to be wrapping up here, folks. We only have a couple minutes, but just let me, t- say, let me ask you, if you enjoy the program, we'd like to keep running it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them to uh, go online every Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock Central, 1600 Greenwich Mean Time, and and give a listen to Balaam's Ride. I'm calling it the Edge of Catholic Radio. We do things here that I don't think you find on any other program, some of these bits we do and such. So uh, hopefully you're enjoying it, and if you want to be a part of the program in the future, you can do so again by writing down this phone number and calling next Wednesday morning, 205 714 seven zero one four two zero five seven one four seven zero one four or emailing me John J O H N John at Bible Christian Society dot com. And in the future I've got some plans. I'm going to be trying to talk about uh, trying to get an atheist on to talk about atheism. Uh, I want to get some uh, politicians on to talk about um, things like the affordable patient care act or also known as obamacare and maybe ask questions like is it moral in the sense of uh um, the government being involved here but also imposing things on people but even more so in the cost i want to get to i for me personally i think the the debt the national debt is a moral issue that is being ignored and it's just as important as the issues of uh um, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked in terms of the government doing these things rather than the church so and, and other such topics as well uh, church related uh, poverty related education related economics, politics, so on all right folks we 're winding up now. Um, hopefully you 'll uh, keep listening, keep giving us a chance, and i 'll start like I said, I have plans to bring in uh, start bringing in more and more guests on the program. Hopefully you'll enjoy that. All right, this is John Martinoni. You're listening to Balaam's Ride, and we'll be back next week. Hopefully you all have a great week. God bless.